uh, go easy on yourself in the short term and because um, usually we, we overestimate what we can achieve in the short term and underestimate the long term. You know, in the first five years of becoming full-time in property, give yourself a bit of a break. That's the learning years and the growing years. And then if you've done it right, you should accelerate heavily between years five and ten. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to the Property Developer Podcast. Thanks for joining me. We have a great show for you today. I speak with Brendan Ansell from Velocity Property Group about how and when to accelerate your property development business. I think you will enjoy some of the insights that Brendan will share with us. Before I get to Brendan, here's a quick wrap-up of what's been happening with my townhouse project. The roof is finally on along the rear row of terraces, so we are much more weather-resistant now which is great given the dreadful weather we've had in Melbourne over the past few months. The stairwells have also been installed in the rear properties, so I can now wander around the first level, which is great, as I can get a better feel for the size and dimensions of the rooms. I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised by how roomy they felt. I also got to pick up on things which are hard to appreciate on paper. Things like wardrobe sizes, corridor widths, ceiling heights and bathroom dimensions. I actually met one of the buyers on site to look at his property. He told me he was worried about the size of the garage and the bedrooms. But he too was impressed with the dimensions and feel of the place. So he walked away very happy. So that was good. And walking around the properties you see things that you would do differently. Like not having a plaster wall up the middle of the stairwell and instead having it open with a handrail. Or places where a storage cupboard could go. Little things like that. But overall, they feel great, and I'm very happy with them. Along the front row of terraces, the first floor frames are going in, so that has been good as I can get a better idea of their size, and can now begin to see the interplay between the front row and the rear row of terraces. All in all, it's moving along nicely, and I've just about finalised all the buyer inclusions. And finally this week, I'm off to another auction to see if I can buy me a new development site. So please cross your fingers for me. Okay, on to today's guest, Brendan Ansell from Velocity Property Group in Brisbane. Brendan is doing some great developments and is really ramping up his business, which is exciting to see. Brendan moved from South Africa to Brisbane in the 90s and started out with 50 bucks in his pocket. Today, his business is running around $130 million in projects, so that's some change. During our conversation, we talk about how you go from doing a small two-lot subdivision to running multiple projects, how and when you can accelerate your developing enterprise, and how to create a strong foundation for your future business. We also touch on what to do when you have three staff members all with the same name. Being of South African heritage, I was keen to find out what Brendan's favourite food was. I'm from South Africa, so we're big meat eaters, so I have to say it's probably a big steak or something like that. My brother-in-law's uh, South African, so he also loves his meat. Yeah, the the joke is in South Africa, if you want salad with your barbecue meat, they give you chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my dad would also uh, like that. <laughs> now, Brennan, you've got a bit of an interesting background because you migrated to Australia from South Africa, is that correct? And yeah. You sort of twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, yeah, to sunny Redcliffe. 
That's it. So there wasn't much happening in Redcliffe in those days. No, well, I don't think there's not much happening in Redcliffe these days. Nah, <laughs> bit, bit, bit more, but yeah, it's a, it's a retirement village. Yeah, so for those that don't know, it's a sort of small town just north of Brisbane, made famous by being the hometown of the Bee Gees. Yes, correct. They were probably yeah. kicking around when you were back there then. No, that was late 90s, I'd say. <laughs> no, so, they, were, they were long gone in the 60s. Uh, so can you give us a bit of a background about um, your history and how you got into property developing? Because it's a bit of an interesting journey, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in, in property. As a kid, I, I love moving around, which is unusual. You know, most people like stability and staying in the home that they're in. I love the variety, and my parents used to uh, renovate properties in, in South Africa, um, not not massively successfully, and, and sometimes we had to move for negative reasons. But um, yeah, I just I just enjoyed moving around. My mother was an interior decorator, so I used to um, track along with her to a lot of appointments and hang these massively heavy curtains you had in the eighties. The big, big valance, heavy things, and it's uh, probably why I got big shoulders. But um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. So um, I, t- I guess at some point I gravitated back to property after trying many different things. I was a semi-professional cricketer for a couple of years, playing in the UK and New Zealand and all different countries around the world in my early twenties, which was great fun. Uh, End up staying in London and uh, uh, moving into investment banking, which was. Um, you know, you've got some special faces coming from cricketing backgrounds. So um, sort of went in the back door that way and learnt as much as I could. So while everyone else was partying in their early to mid-20s, I was um, just working very long hours and learning as much as I could and, and uh, saving as much as I can. So I actually bought my first property nearly outright in Brisbane in, in around 2001. And then um, I bought it from overseas, which is a very challenging experience. And... Um, then Brisbane hit a massive boom and I, I thought I was a property genius because I uh, bought something. I, only when I got back about a year later did I realise that everything went up. So uh, but it gave me a good start. You know, I was disciplined. I, I saved hard and um, it gave me a good start. So that accelerated from there and then, then moved into finance broking, which I did for many years and had a reasonably successful company called Velocity Finance, uh, which we still maintain some ownership in. It's just managed, managed for us now. And then, uh, yeah, about six, seven years ago, went full-time into property. And were you a bowler or a batsman with your cricketing career? I was a bat and a very poor, lazy leg spin bowler. Oh, really? <laughs> I, was re- I was originally an opening bowler in South Africa. I was an all-rounder. But uh, apparently once you start playing more higher grades, bowling six bounces and over and giving the batsman a spray is not a legitimate strategy anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up playing a lot of cricket, so uh, something I miss that yeah, the body doesn't hold up that well anymore. No. And so, tell us, um, velocity. How did uh, how did that come about? How did I think you started off with a, a Duloc project? Is that right? Uh, yeah, we've done a lot of different things over the years. I've probably early to mid thousands, everything from trying Renaults to. I didn't. I didn't enjoy Renaults. I found them difficult, and I'm, I'm not very handy with my hands. So, gravitated more towards new house builds, and then in terms of development, yeah, started out as most people do with splitter box in Brisbane. You know, splitting into two lots and building two houses and selling them off, and that's generally where where it's a good place to start because you get to learn, you know, development process without 
piling into something massive, which some people forget and try and uh, accelerate that process too fast. But you always, you always gravitate back to your level of knowledge and skill set. And so can you wrap some numbers around velocity at the moment in terms of revenue or project value, number of units, those kind of high-level numbers? Uh, yeah, well, we, we decided to really accelerate it two to two and a half years ago and we, um, we partner up with the Singaporean Fund and um, that's accelerated us pretty quickly the last few years. We've currently got on, on the go in Brisbane and the Gold Coast approximately $130 million worth of projects, uh, around nine, ten projects at the moment. So, yeah, we know we're, we're pushing pretty hard, but we're building a brand as well. You know, we don't do any investment-grade stock. We're very much focusing on high-quality, high-end, unoccupied stuff and trying to become a specialist in that, in that space. And then do you do all the sales and marketing yourself or do you engage local agents to help you with the selling? Yeah, we still, we still deal with external agents, but we're controlling that ourselves now. Um, we haven't right, found the right sort of fit in Brisbane who can, who can fit that sort of branding aspect of it. Um, you know, the, the standard, stock standard everyday brands don't, don't gel with us anymore. And, and there's not a great skill set in Brisbane for selling off the plant. Uh, I think our market up here is very conservative compared to Sydney and Melbourne, so they tend to wait for something to be finished. So that's not an option for us. So we decided we we can sell ourselves and our products better than than an external party can. So we've got our own internal agents now. Okay, and then why why is that? What do you think the skills that your own internal resources will bring to that off the plan selling process? Um, well, one thing we want to be in the market is authentic and genuine. So when a buyer comes in um, to see us, we want to engage with them directly and personally, and I sit in a lot with a lot of those meetings. And we want to fulfill their need, and we want them to be happy in our projects because you know, we've got to deal with them moving forward and post-completion, and we want them to refer family and friends. So if the unit's not right for them, we don't we don't sell at, you know, we we provide a, a service and a, and a product to, to a need. Um, and we're generally selling into a more sophisticated market anyway, so you can't sell at them. You know, they, they're generally quite wealthy people. They've been around a long time and they experience them properly. So they, they can make decisions quickly and easily um, and they can understand quality and, and what you're trying to achieve. So a good, a good example is our project at Burley at the moment. You know, we've got a site in the Burley headland looking up the beach towards surface paradise, you know, magic spot of the Gold Coast. Um, and instead of doing something very high density there, which would have a lot of resistance to, you know, a lot of wealthy neighbours in that pocket, we did nine premium split level, sorry, nine premium penthouses, uh, starting at around the 1.7, 1.8 mark, going up to 3 million. Um, so those buyers are very sophisticated. So we, we did a quiet release to the market, just a local, uh, local invitation only to the the local community, and we sold five out of nine off market in the first week, and uh, and took it off the market. So, you know, their their neighbours who are living in four or five million dollar homes, they're very sophisticated. They just they recognise instantly the the quality of the product, the rarity of it, the size of the, and then the level of finish. So, yeah, I saw the design of that on your website, and it looks. Awesome, and I want to come back to that shortly, but I'm quite interested in this idea of you building up a brand. Can you share with us 
when you talk about building up a brand, what, what does that mean to you and what are you trying to achieve? Yeah, well, brand recognition, um, you know, is, is far-reaching. It's, it's as, as much value, if not more, than your P&L um, and, and profit. So if you, if you speak to any analysts or fund managers, you know, they'll talk to you about brand and, and brand recognition and a, and a consummate value of that. So in some ways, we are applying a stock market approach to a property business. So we are preparing to possibly list on the ASX later this year or next year. So we've got to think in that manner. Um, but also, if you, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. You know, we just go to the top of our tree in our industry and we can learn a lot of those companies, you know, companies such as Mervac, Stockland, Sunland, who are recognisable brands and quite easily sell their product on a day-in, day-out basis because their, their brand is, is trusted and reliable. Um, but our focus is building that brand in, in a high-quality company, so we, we've got longevity. So we stay out of the market cycles of booms and busts, and we can ride, ride through those periods because we're stable. And... Um, yeah, we're not we're not doing it solely for profit, and we're thinking long term. Yeah, I'm interested in that idea of long term. So, at what point along your journey did you think, okay, I'm going to create a business that's got 130 million dollars worth of projects underway? I didn't set out specifically to do that. I, I would say, you know, when you read inspirational quotes and those sorts of things. I'm not someone who sits down and writes down goals because I almost find that limiting. So once I've got a concept or I've got an idea, I've tried not to put a cap on it or a you know, place a bubble around it. We'll just we'll go at 100 miles an hour. Within our capability, obviously, we've got to catch up quickly now with the right amount of staff and, and resources. You know, that's always a challenge. Um, but, yeah, I'm not someone who's still or is happy with the status quo. I want to keep pushing boundaries and I want to do something different. You know, I, um, I find it in general Australia is quite a conservative country and, uh, you know, I'm an observer. I watch other businesses and other property companies and that. We want to do something a little bit different. For me, it's a little bit boring to just do the same thing as somebody else is doing. Sure, but there must have been somewhere along the line where you went, well, I can do more than, you know, a splitter block or I can do more than three townhouses or four townhouses and it's a kind of it's a bit of a it's a big step I guess two or three years later having multiple projects on the go with significant amount of um, money yeah our acceleration is is pretty pretty fast um, but the preparation was you know, there's an old saying you know 10, ten years to become an overnight success that's <laughs> that's pretty much now that's pretty much our situation. There was there was a good five to six years of preparation, and remember, I was a finance broker, so I was funding and raising capital for other developers for five to six years prior to doing it myself. So that's an accelerated learning process, and I got to learn off their mistakes as well. So we didn't have to go through a process of you know we've never had an unprofitable deal. I've sold a site once for what I paid for it and had a very small loss. But we've never actually built something and, and lost. And, and that site was in the GFC and it was, turned out to be a, a fantastic decision. You know, the ones you let go are more important than the ones you, you, you go ahead with. And so what were those lessons or the mistakes that you saw as a broker that you've 
well, taken and ensure that you don't repeat in your own business now? Yeah, not so much um, not so much property lessons, but more personal lessons. You know, one thing we don't we don't have a big ego in the office, and, and we don't have any any of our staff who uh, have big egos. Or you know, we're we're all learning, and I think you can do you can be in property for 50, 60 years and still not know everything. You know, Harry Trigoboff's in it well into his eighties, and he's probably learning new things every week or month because the market changes. So you've got to be versatile. So. Ego is dangerous in our business. You know, people had massive egos and th- thought that, um, you know, they were the ducks nuts, so to speak. That uh, they tend to be the ones that have problems because you can only control what's within your sphere of influence. You can't control the bigger market. You can't tr- control the property market. You can't control interest rates, you know, trends. So we're just trying to be as flexible. Uh, that's a good thing about our size at the moment. While we're accelerating fast, we're still a small, nimble company. So I can move quickly, and we're backing that up with being very strong financially. Now, obviously, we sold half of Velocity to a Singaporean fund for a specific reason, to give us that underpinning so that we can accelerate quickly but not outside of our capability. Yeah, I noticed that you've, got, you've probably got about six or seven staff, and I noticed that uh, three of them are called Phil. How does that work? We can kind of yell out the door for uh, yeah. <laughs> for Phil and three people come running. Yeah, we have got three Phils, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, we've got I've got seven or eight staff now, but yeah, a big percentage of Phils. So I just shout out my door here, Phil, and then <laughs> I get, I get three, three, three responses. Well, they, they're all varying sizes as well. One, one Phil here is very large. He's ex-casino security. So uh, it's big fill, medium fill, and, and little fill. <laughs> I'm keen to hear about your preparations if you're going to be publicly listed. Like what kind of things do you need to put in place to be able to list on a, on a stock exchange? Because you're fairly rigorous with your reporting, don't you, and with what you divulge. Correct, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it is probably too early for us. It is it is it is very ambitious and it's very early for us. However, our Singaporean partners have done it before, so my job is to look after the property side. It's it's their job to to control that listing process. So, um, yeah, obviously there's a process we've got to go through. I'm leaving that up to them. Uh, majority of our funds will be raised through Singapore, but yeah, it's 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 very ambitious. But the idea is to accelerate. Um, yeah, it's it's going to it's going to accelerate us to to a whole other level. You know, I, th- I think there will be a, a downturn in the next couple of years um, and we want to be, we want to always think cyclically. So we're finishing off a few projects now. We have um, other projects midstream where there's significant amount of pre-sales and then we're very specific about the other projects moving forward. We have a high commercial component in a lot of our new projects or very boutique upmarket, like Gold Coast is going to be a great market for two years. You know, it's absolutely going crazy down there, and it's got another, it's got some legs in it. But once the Commonwealth Games finishes in Queensland, uh, I think it's going to be some issues, and we want to go into that market with a significant amount of cash up our sleeve to, to take advantage of that next cycle. Yeah, I was talking to someone who's based in Brisbane, a finance specialist, and she with she mentioned that with the Brisbane market, a lot of the big lenders have really essentially micromanaging a lot of the fund a lot of the projects that they're funding um how are you finding it on the ground in brisbane and are you having to 
sort of very carefully manage your projects at the moment? Yeah, the banks the banks really like us. So um, they, they like our model, they like our business model, they like our backing. So, And we're sticking to project size of between 10 and 40 apartments or townhouses and, and mix of commercial in there. So we're not going to deviate from that model. We're not going to be tempted to go and you know, make a gazillion dollars on a 200-unit project. So from their point of view, they know we're very clear about what we're doing um, and we're also underpinning it. We're holding a lot of commercial assets as we go. So we're backing that up with commercial rental income. So um, they like our model and, and we're having no issues with funding at the moment. Well, that's good. Con- so- conversely, we're seeing a lot of other newbie, new developers or people new to the, to the game having a lot of issues. So that's positive for us. Those sites are now getting brought to us. You know, we've set out of a lot of premium inner city markets the last two years because the land prices were just too high and um, that's coming back around full circle. So given your experience to date, if you're sitting down having a, a drink with a, a fellow developer, what advice would you give them? What are the things that you've learnt along the way that sort of stick out for you? Yeah, tough because I'm not like everyone else. I come from a different perspective. You know, I land, I land in Australia with $50, no skills and no contacts. So my context of the world is a bit different to everyone else. Uh, my risk profile is a lot higher, although, you know, as I'm nearing 40, my risk profile is, is changing. You know, you, you want to chock the blocks as you go, so to speak, to underpin it, which is what we've done. So, um, yeah, I'll just say think counter-cyclically. Don't, don't buy into the media, the negativity. Just do the opposite of what everyone else is doing, and there's going to be some great opportunities in the next few years in, in all major capital cities. So um, prepare for it, get ready. But the main thing is to start with with knowledge. You know, you can't you can't beat that. Um, like I said earlier, you always gravitate back to your your skill set and, and level of knowledge. So you know, push the boundaries as hard as you can, but catch up as quickly as you can with their knowledge, which is real life on the street knowledge plus technical. So. You know, constant learning, constant reading, um, but then trust your own instinct as well. You know, I make a lot of my own decisions outside of you know advisors and everyone else. So uh, I think that's powerful. If you can develop your own gut instinct on a site and how to assess deals, you just you just get in, in sync. You know, and you get a feeling for the market of when to go hard and when to pull back and when to move quickly and shift. So hopefully we've we've got that right at the moment. You know, that's that's the things we can control. Um, and but no one's perfect. There's, I have lots of, you know, we have lots of challenges and issues and things that we need to work on. The things that I can't control are a high level of frustration for me. Um, you know, I'm very wound up. I'm, I'm, we're having lots of issues with Brisbane City Council at the moment. They, they're not, they're not setting up our our city for, you know, a proud, um, modern city. They're, they're out of sync with what's happening on the ground at the moment, unfortunately. Um, you know, they're approving mass density developments in a couple of key suburbs that, that have mass oversupply that don't need any more. And the rest of the city that needs high-quality infill projects, they're not approving and they're declining. So they've got it completely wrong at the moment. And uh, I have no issue, you know, telling them that. And there's a, there's a growing resentment amongst very experienced developers towards the councils here who, who are out of sync unfortunately. Um, but So those aspects that I can't control are a high level of frustration for me and I've just got to work on coping with that. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because 
I sometimes look at Brisbane because I'm from Brisbane originally. My family still lives there. And Brisbane is one big homogenous city run by one council. So I guess in some respects that's easier because it's consistent across the board, whereas in Melbourne you've got different councils across the whole city. So it can be very different suburb to suburb. And I guess sometimes that can be frustrating, but I guess perhaps in the situation that you're talking about, it could be beneficial where one council has a different view from the neighbouring council, say. Yeah, unless they go through a period where they are excessively harsh and and, not not conducive to doing the right thing. So then it's just blanket across the city bad. Whereas we go through periods when it's 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 easy, so um, I guess we got to we got to take the good with the bad. We've had some good wins the last few years, and we've just got to get through the next few years of a very challenging environment. Unfortunately, Brisbane City Council just has an agenda now to just um, decline everything that comes across their desk. Unfortunately, so um, that that just lacks common sense to me. It doesn't work. It's interesting that you should mention a challenging environment because I wanted to ask you. If you are in a challenging environment, what are the things that you need to focus on? Um, well, I mean, if you if you study every successful person on the planet and try to come up with key consistencies, the single main one that everyone will tell you is, is just keep going and persistence. So, you know, we're having issues with some sites at the moment. We just keep going. We can't stop. We can't change. I don't want to put the site back on the market to sell, we'll just keep pushing ahead. So it's just persistence. Persistence always wins. So we'll, we'll get there in the end. Yes, persistence uh, it, is it, definitely it, key. It does make it easy, obviously, when you've got eight to ten products on the go, you, you try and focus on the positive of what's happening. Whereas if you're obviously if you're doing one and it's not going well and you've got issues, then, then that's a different. So even more reason to, to grow faster. Yeah, well, I don't think there's any project that ever runs smoothly when you're doing a development. No, there's no such thing. I haven't found one yet. <laughs> well, good, that gives I, me I, hope. I, li- I live in hope of the Holy Grail project that uh, comes along once in my lifetime I'll be happy with. Oh, yeah, the Unicorn Project. Haven't seen one yet. <laughs> now, I mentioned earlier about the um, the terrific design that you had for that Gold Coast project, and I've looked at the other designs for your projects, and I think they're really good. They're quite striking, and they stand out from the crowd. Is that something yeah. that you try to do regularly, and do you use different a different design team for each project, or have you found someone that you've um, just really work with or that, that you've been able to st- sort of gel with? No, we use multiple different architects. Um, you know, like other different types of cycles, architects flow in and out of cycles, you know, where they're, they're going well and they're well-resourced and then they're under-resourced. So um, we've got to keep changing and moving there. You know, we can't sit still. But that's something I, I particularly get involved a lot personally. In. You know, I have a vision for a project that I've got to try and get out of my head Onto onto paper, so um, you know everything about everything about the site. There's a you know it starts with a gut feeling before, when you stand on the land for the first time, and you've got to try to carry that through all the way through. So I stay heavily involved in it, and I'm close to the market. You know, I know generally we pretty we know what people want, and we're specifically targeting wealthy empty nesters at the moment. You know, the empty nesters hit sixty. Peak of the baby boomers hit sixty this year, so there's going to be a massive transition over the next five to ten years. Um, and unfortunately, there's not a lot of product being built for them. 
you know, all the development focuses have just been on jamming in as many cheap small units as you can get onto a site and then hope someone buys it at the end. Well, you know, the Chinese market's not there to buy it or, you know, interest rates head up and investors clear out. Well, people always need a home. So, you know, demographics dictate that um, that that section of the market is going to continue to grow and have a greater need. Yes, I agree. There is going to be a big market for those kind of buyers over the next five or ten years, and there's an opportunity there for people that uh, can recognise it and build stock for them. Correct. But they're fussy and they know what they want, so there's building stock for them and there's getting it right. You know, if you get, if you get it wrong, you've got a project that no one wants. Yeah, and then how do you stay in touch with those buyers or you mentioned you're close to the market? How do you do that? Yeah, just engaging a lot with them. I mean, obviously, the Burley project is quite unique. We've got some prominent people who've purchased in there um, and their apartments gets customised for them. So the penthouse buyer who we're working with at the moment, we've had a number of different meetings with them and you know, if they're paying that sort of money, they we've got an in-house interior designer full-time so she works with them to customise it to, to what they want. So if they want a fireplace, they get a fireplace. You know, if they want to change colour schemes or tiles, it, it happens. So that's just going through that process obviously determines, gives you a good insight into what they need. And it's different per person, but there are some consistencies. You know, they, they're thinking long-term. It's a, it's a move they're making before they, um, you know, are too old to, to enjoy their, their life. So... Um, they're thinking 20, 30 years they'll be in this property. So they spend a lot of time on the finite details. Okay, good. And then planning-wise, what kind of planning do you do? So you, obviously you must be looking two, three, at five years out. What kind of planning process do you go to or, or go through or do you not? Do you just pick up sites that come up because they're good opportunities? Yeah, it's it's um it's ebb and flow with the market. So sometimes we have a flurry and we buy three or four sites in a short period of time, and then we acquire for six months. Uh, the the main thing is not compromising on the quality of the sites. We only buy in the best locations in Queensland, in the best suburbs, in the, in the best streets. So we can't compromise on that. So if it takes six months to find a deal, we'll we'll find it. And we do other little things in in between. You know, little commercial projects we're doing. Uh, a few little commercial projects in Bulimba, which is a very premium suburb of, of Brisbane. You know, we're doing coffee shops, bars, restaurants. That keeps us busy in between. And that's so it's a basic monopoly strategy. We sell the greenhouses and keep the red hotels. <laughs> you should trademark that. Yeah, it's, well, it's not new. It was, the board game's been out for a while. <laughs> you don't hear enough developers talking uh, or using monopoly analogies in their business. Yeah, I'd say we're not really a full-time developer. We're more a full-time, we're more a developer slash investment fund slash you know investor. I'm, I'm trying to pick the best parts out of every um, you know theory. Good. Yeah, some some people, but if we look at the main the main you know obviously the, the type of companies we're trying to emulate are companies like Stockton. You know, they do a subdivision, sell the subdivision out, and buy a shopping centre. And when they go through periods like the you know, global financial crisis, they've got that underpinning of strong commercial assets and, and rental income to, to see them through. Yeah, I wanted to ask whether you sell all your stock or whether you retain some of it. Yeah, we try and, we try and keep um, 
Well, our, our format is everyone's a bit different. Uh, our format is, yeah, we want to hold something for cash for each project, but our debt levels have to be negligible or nothing. So, we, you know, we we might have mixed these projects. We'll sell out 90% of it and keep the last 10%, which is usually unencumbered. So, you know, that that's very pleasing to the banks as well. You know, they, they view that very favourably. All right. So, so then, in our, in our in our investment holding side, we we've got very low negligible debt levels. Oh, that's good. So then, ten years from now, where do you see Velocity Group being then? Uh, yeah, probably in the in the top five to ten property companies in Queensland at least, and we'll certainly be in the other states by then. I think with certainly within the next one or two years, we'll look to uh, get into Sydney and Melbourne. Hopefully, hopefully your markets come off. Yeah. Well, then, at least to give us an opportunity to get in before it's so so expensive down there. Oh, yeah, it's really crazy. It's still quite hot. I've just missed out on trying to buy two sites in the last sort of two weeks and, yeah, just get, got blown out of the water with offers. So I'm kind of scratching my head about what to do to hang back or go in hard. Yeah, so we'll, we'll set out of those markets until that, that sorts itself out. Now tell me, what have you learnt about yourself, Brendan, along the way? Yeah, um, well, there's skill sets you learn and then there's skill sets and traits you're born with. Um, I'm probably one of the most stubborn people, one of the most stubborn people that anyone will ever meet. So um, that can be a positive and a negative. You know, it can be both. Stubborn, stubbornness makes you persistent and I just keep going. It's very hard to, to beat me down. You know, I'm very strong personality. And then conversely, the, the flip side of that is is that if you're trying to inspire people to join you on the journey and you're, you're a hard nut, you know, um, I'm a very hard worker myself, so you've got to, I've had to soften a bit to, um, you know, bring in staff and then grow a business so that not everyone's like me and people have different ways of doing things and that doesn't mean they're less effective. And uh, having a bit of yin and yang, you know, like our, our office manager, uh, Big Phil, is a... Is a very very experienced man, but is, is great with people. So I, I learn something of him every day and, and how to deal with consultants and councils because um, bringing out the big stick is not always the best approach. You've got to um, you to rotate between the carrot and the stick. Oh, good. All right. Well, then uh, you must be somewhat conflicted when the Wallabies play the Springboks at Lang Park. Not yet. We're at that crossover point now, I'm told, where only 20 years, over 20 years, you mm-hmm. genuinely call yourself an Australian. But uh, when the Springbok jumper goes on, I can't help it. <laughs> I had to throw that one in. All right, well... Um, other than I just picked the winning team. Yeah, well, that's not usually Australia, so you're probably better off sticking with the uh, Springboks for the near future. Now, tell me, what's your top tip or one thing that you would suggest to a developer that they focus on? Yeah, if I give you one tip is to go easy on yourself in the short term and because um, usually we, we overestimate what we can achieve in the short term and underestimate the long term. Um, you know, in the first five years of becoming full-time in property, give yourself a bit of a break. That's the learning years and the growing years. And then if you've done it right, you should accelerate heavily between years five and ten. You know, but um, And just keep keep learning and growing. So when you say go easy on yourself in those first couple of years, 
What do you mean by that? Well, property is a medium to long-term vehicle. It's very difficult. You know, if, if you're selling, I don't know, meat pies, for example, you can make it in the morning and sell it two hours later. Property is not like that. So it takes you, you know, if you get into development in Brisbane, it can take you two to three years to finish a project. So, you know, just patience. Patience is key. And that's very hard for someone like me. I'm, I have no patience whatsoever. I want everything now. So, um, yeah, you know, in years one to five, it's it's growing. And it's, it's really five to ten years before you accelerate. Um, oh, and the other thing is, is fundamental. You know, like that is massively powerful. You know, there's organizations you can join. You know, we've rejoined with the UDIA this year. Um, you know, there's some very experienced people in there who who turn up at the functions for no other reason than to give back. So uh, find a good mentor. My my mentor is uh, a very prominent person in uh, in Queensland who's not far off being a billionaire and one of the top property people in the state. So it's pretty hard, you know, find someone like that. And, um, but be conscious of their time. You know, I, I specifically made a donation to a charity of theirs without asking for anything back and, and lots come of that. Here's... He single-handedly shifted my mindset on what's possible, you know, giving you a far greater perspective. So find a, find a great mentor, be respectful of their time, you know, get whatever you can with them. Well, I understand, too, that a lot of people are very busy in their own businesses, and if it doesn't well, just keep, keep looking for someone else. So could you just elaborate a little bit on that shifting of your mindset? Where did you, what was holding you back, or what's, what switch has flicked to sort of give you a bigger vision? Well, everyone's got that perspective. If you thought back to when you were maybe 10 or 12 years old, the world's biggest problem that you had back then, like your skateboard breaking, if you look back on it now, it's pretty minor. So when you're stuck in the problem at the time, it seems serious, but a mentor can help you lift you out of that. And um, when, when you focus on a bigger picture than yourself, the problems tend to solve themselves or, or, or get solved somewhere or another, you know, because you're in solution mode. You're not stuck in problem mode. So you can't you can't come out of the problem until you've changed your mindset into solution. So what what he's helped me do is just get out of that. Um, yeah, we recognise that's a problem, but that's where you're going now, and and to think bigger. You know, I was doing four or five years ago, I was just doing one project at a time, and just you know, he would question and pull me and go, well, why? If you know how to do one, why can't you do ten? What resources do you need to do ten as opposed to one? Well, you need access to capital, and you need um, you know staff and, and people to, to assist so both are equally they acquirable you, know, you can just go and get that resource and solve that problem and there'll, there'll always be a problem to solve so um, just expect it great well it sounds like you're definitely on the uh, way to doing something big and inspiring so congratulations to you for that thanks mate yeah no we're, we're trying hard and uh, yeah watch this space so if people want to find out more about Velocity Group, where can they go? Yeah, our website's been developed at the moment and, and upgraded all the time, so there's plenty on there. Um, yeah, you can, you can Google Google me. They're welcome to shoot me an email. It might take me a while to get back if anyone wants to just shoot me an email and um, ask any questions. I'm, I'm open to it. It's all part of the journey. Plenty of people have helped me along the way, so that's how it works. You've got you to give back and help others. Awesome. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for being on the Property Developer Podcast. I'm very grateful to you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And best wishes with the rest of your projects. 
Thanks, mate. Good luck in Melbourne. See you. Bye. Okay, there you go. Another developer really going places. And what a great story about a guy landing in a new country and really making a go of it. I really enjoyed speaking with Brendan. I took a lot away from our chat. I think the biggest idea that stuck out for me was this notion of giving yourself five years to understand and learn your business. It is in these early years that you can really lay the foundation for a strong, sustainable business by understanding what you do best and how you can do it better. Once you have that foundation set, then really look to accelerate your activities from years five to ten. I think this is really solid advice, as often people can be undone by trying to do too much too soon and then falling over. The second thing that stuck out for me was around finding a mentor. The right mentor can give you perspective and ideas that can help you grow and learn. So find someone who has achieved what you would like to do and emulate them. They can help you see beyond problems or suggest ways to solve issues. Brendan suggested joining an industry group to network with people, and that may be a way for you to find someone suitable. The third and final point I took from my conversation with Brendan is to be focused on the type of developments you want to do. Don't get seduced by bigger projects if you have a model that is working for you, especially in buoyant markets. It is easy to be dazzled by the prospect of greater profits, but don't come undone by chasing something that you are not ready for. As I remember hearing about financial investment, earn the right to invest in riskier projects. So develop up a plan for what you want to do and stay focused on achieving it. All right, there's another show almost done. Don't forget to join me on Instagram at Property Developer Podcast for my Property Developer Porn Picks. Head over to PropertyDeveloperPodcast.com to leave a comment or jump on iTunes to leave a review. Thanks again for listening in. And until next time, may all your developments be a success. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.